You are listening to the Blockchain Dialogues podcast. All views expressed on this show are for educational purposes only and not meant to be taken as financial advice. Hello and welcome to the Blockchain Dialogues podcast. Your hosts, Krishna and Nikhil. The topic for discussion today is something that has been a buzzword in the blockchain space for many years, and that is the concept of oracles. A blockchain oracle can be best defined as a program or a software that can identify information from outside a blockchain and translate it in a way so that it can be used within the blockchain, mostly through the usage of smart contracts. What makes oracles important in the blockchain ecosystem is that oracles make existing real-world information such as supply chain management data or stock market information or information from pressure or temperature sensors within, let's say, a manufacturing environment or any other data for that matter, directly usable within a blockchain. So in today's podcast, we're going to look at how oracles work, the different kinds of oracles that can conceptually exist and the various projects and companies that are working towards realizing oracles in the real world. So with that, Nikhil, can you give a high-level overview of what oracles are and why they are needed? So uh, actually, what uh, let's uh, look at what the term Oracle comes from. Actually, Oracle uh, is also a database company, but uh, originally an Oracle basically comes from Greek mythology, and it referred to you know one of their uh, you know priests who could communicate with the gods and who could see visions of the future. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's the reason why uh, they picked this term for blockchain oracles because in a sense, basically what that is, uh, what we're doing over here is communicating to sources of data that is not available to the blockchain, right? So once you're, when you are inside the blockchain context, uh, this would be like communicating with the gods that are outside that particular context. And that's why it's called an oracle. So that's very similar to the Oracle in Matrix as well, you would say? Absolutely. So uh, again, so in the in the Matrix, essentially, you had an entire closed system, right? You had uh, uh, the people were plugged in, you had your, uh, uh, my, their, their minds were uh, also completely plugged in into the system. And uh, the Oracle essentially was a source of uh, randomness, a source of um, a bridge to an external external consciousness or an external world, um, which is why, you know, it, they, they, she appeared to be able to do things uh, like predicting the future or uh, talking about, uh, uh, you know, bending uh, the reality or the physics of, of the matrix itself. Right. So... Again, so it all comes down to this idea that, okay, uh, blockchains are inherently closed systems. They, they, the, uh, it lives in its own completely deterministic world, uh, which limits its utility a great deal. So oracles act as a data conduit. And, uh, you know, it, it, it basically brings that, you know, messy, non-deterministic, random... Uh, inputs into the clean, deterministic, uh, closed blockchain uh, world, right? Right. Now, uh, a couple of examples, if you look at, you know, if you take Bitcoin, which is the biggest example of a blockchain, um, Bitcoin essentially, it generates its own digital money, right? And ever since that money is generated, it basically is managed uh, across a single global ledger, 
right mm-hmm. every transaction is recorded on that global ledger and at any point in time by looking at that uh, ledger you can tell the entire state of that particular bitcoin uh, bitcoin system right right so this is right. a closed system this is an example of a closed system similarly if you take ethereum ethereum is essentially a global state machine uh, you can add contracts to glo- uh, you can upload code to the uh, ethereum uh, as transactions uh, to the state machine and you can modify or affect that particular state state machine um, through the inputs that you have given but it is only th- in a deterministic manner so because uh, you know your ethereum virtual machine is a deterministic state machine uh, it will allow you to uh, only do certain things so uh, the this deterministic virtual machine can only change uh, the state via signed transactions at at a particular rate right mm-hmm. now when you're talking about determinism when we say deterministic and non deterministic it's kind of uh, pretty abstract so let me let me bring down bring it down to two consequences that are there when you have a deterministic state machine right so the first consequence is essentially is that there is no source of randomness all right so why is there no source of randomness because you have a both in the, let's take ethereum you have the ethereum virtual machine you're running a smart contract this smart contract is running on every node in ethereum right so if it right. is non deterministic or if the output is random right there mm-hmm. is no way for these nodes to agree on what is the output or what is the execution or, uh, result of that particular transaction and then mm-hmm. since, since there is no uh, way to agree on it there is no there's no consensus there's no consensus and the whole whole thing breaks down right so mm-hmm. you cannot bring randomness into this that's mm-hmm. that's basically a limitation of a deterministic system right right now uh, oracles basically are an external source of random so so why do we need randomness we need randomness because there are a lot of things in the world right so if you have say something as simple as okay if you want to uh, do a do a coin flip in uh, ethereum right now mm-hmm. it is not possible to do a coin flip in ethereum mm-hmm. right because mm-hmm. there is no randomness mm-hmm. your uh, you can always predict your coin flip so oracles basically are a way to actually go out and say hey okay can you give me uh, a random answer and that random answer is external so that you know it when it uh, when that particular call is made um, it is it goes out with a particular uh, id and the external oracle basically responds to that call for that particular id right mm-hmm. so this so you can basically say from within the ethereum virtual machine uh, virtual machine or within the ethereum blockchain same transaction uh, so the same the same smart contract with the same transaction is run it it sends out the same id all the nodes sends out the same id and the oracle basically consistently will be able to come back and say okay this was the random input that i have designated for this particular id right so all the nodes can therefore basically say okay we all got false or we all got true right and mm-hmm. and they can internally decide but since it's an external source of randomness it is random for the next transaction that comes out right so right. from the perspective of an uh, 
of a for, of smart contract execution every transaction basically has a random outcome but internally when they are all executing in parallel they have the same for that same transaction they will have the same output mm-hmm. right and this is why you need an external source of randomness right okay i actually was like uh, from what i understood oracles are basically they are reliable ways of getting information from the outer world right so uh, like uh, what is the significance of randomness there actually like i i didn't really understand no it is one of the things one of the two consequences right see basically like let's say we take a practical use case right like let's say we are making a prediction market let's say we are using augur and people are betting who's going to win the 2019 india general election right so like after but that's not a random bet so if you have like a uh, uh, this thing where you say okay fine instead of betting on the 2019 indian election you want to do a hmm. game of rummy hmm or a game of poker correct hmm. so mm-hmm. you need to have some kind of random input to be able to say okay fine what is the next card that comes up hmm okay if you can predict okay. the card that comes up then you no longer have a game of poker right True. same thing with uh, there are lots of reasons why you would want to have uh, random input so for example uh, yeah another classic example is if you want to secure something right if you want to create a uh, secure key right you need to have a source of randomness to be able to say that okay find this secure key that you have generated right hmm. would not, if the same person runs the same algorithm again will not get the same key see the thing is for that we use that random number generator right like yeah, uh, but the is... random number generator does not exist within uh, blockchains okay you cannot uh... have a random number generator inside a blockchain you can have a pseudo random number generator but you cannot have a true random number generator so one thing uh, obviously is this randomness part the other one is uh, being a closed system there is external sources of data that need to be provided in order for, to do something useful right mm-hmm. uh, if the whole world was inside a matrix like condition we were all inside the blockchain and everything that we did was controlled by the blockchain we wouldn't need an oracle well we still we would need it for the random bits but we wouldn't need it for the external uh, world connection right because there is no concept of an external world we will be living inside our own consciousnesses uh, but the sad reality is that we we don't have that we've not reached there yet and uh, so we have this messy uh, external uh, world we have to deal with which is non deterministic which which has uh, you know uh, uh, which has uh, cold uh, global warming and cold climate and droughts and floods and stuff like that and uh, basically all our uh, our systems internal systems in the blockchain need to react to that right they need to right. they need to have that information so that they can react to it so mm-hmm. you need that conduit into this external world and you need that conduit to be ideally decentralized so that it cannot be manipulated mm-hmm. okay. now you could go and say okay fine why can't we add this data into the blockchain as transactions yeah you could do that you could add the data into these tra- uh, into the blockchain as a transaction as as a data payload 
but it is uh, limited in many ways it is slow it is uh, uh, costly to do that and not mm-hmm. only that basically even if you put aside all that uh, you don't know where this data is coming from right it mm-hmm. is it it is a random transaction that is being added to the uh, blockchain mm-hmm. and uh, how do you how, how how can you verify the source so how do you know that this is not some malicious player that is manipulating you mm-hmm. okay great so uh, can you go into what are the different kinds of oracles like uh, we know that you know there are software oracles hardware oracles uh, can you tell like what the difference between them is and you know in in a practical use case what you know how they would matter Right. Yeah. So oracles are of different types. You can actually look at it from multiple ways. So you can divide them into software oracles. You can divide into hardware oracles. Uh, you, or you could look at it from how, what kind of data is being provided, whether they are uh, data, uh, uh, inbound data or outbound data. Right. So mm-hmm. inbound oracles basically is uh, when you have oracles that have uh, data that is being uh, pulled in into the blockchain and you can have outbound oracles also that uh, use data within the smart uh, within the blockchain to communicate it to the outside world right right uh, and uh, there's also the idea of okay centralized versus decentralized so you would have some oracles which are more centralized and some which are decentralized so uh, yeah so mainly if you want to look at it oracles uh, are used for these kind of uh, use cases, right? Let's look at it in terms of use cases. Um, some I use uh, one particular key use case is uh, public source of information, like, you know, weather data, climate data, uh, your census data that's obtained from government uh, websites or right. government sources of APIs and things like that. Uh, you could uh, have... Uh, aggregation so you might have you might want to know okay what is the gold price today or the oil price today uh, which may not actually you might have different values in different places you might want an oracle to be able to give you a authoritative aggregated or an average value of some sort um, you could have uh, oracles basically as a conduit to getting real-time data right you might want to have like a iot device or a temperature sensor or some kind of uh, hardware device that uh, is continuously measuring things and sending you information right uh, the, another place where you can use this is when you want to get assertions about it could be a person it could be an entity you can be assertion about is this person above 18 uh, which is you can send that question to an oracle and the oracle basically then reaches out to the person's uh, driving license or something and, and gets back that or you can give the driving license ID and ask if it is valid or stuff like that right so right. basically external uh, databases that are not available to the blockchain right mm-hmm. and then finally obviously uh, there's also the uh, use case that we discussed earlier where you want to do some types of computation that are not available or not feasible inside the blockchain. So obvious one is computing random, uh, getting random input, uh, sources of randomness. Uh, The other ones would be, you know, doing kind of like uh, fast computations or heavy computations, which are simply too expensive today to do 
inside a blockchain, right? Cost too much gas, cost too many cycles, whatever. Right. Uh, so these can be done by an oracle as long as you have the right input and uh, it will give you the right output as a black box. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, finally, there is also uh, one other interesting use case essentially is consensus-based oracles. Essentially, the idea is to have an oracle of oracles, right? So you'd have right. maybe a, a system where you have basically a registry of oracles or a set of oracles that uh, you can ask questions to and that set basically returns answers and based on the reputation or based on some kind of aggregation function you come back with a definitive or a aggregated answer that is a version representation of the truth so you don't have to depend on any one particular oracle right Mm -hmm. so generally these are the different types of oracles uh, that if you if you want to classify them in some way great so that that Pretty clearly, it explains the various use cases, you know, where oracles would be of great significance, you know, in bridging the blockchains with with the real world. Can you uh, explain how oracles would work? Sure. So, uh, if you look at it, all oracles do the following things, key things, right? One is they either collect some data or do some computation off-chain, right? Then they move it some on-chain. And use some kind of mechanism, you know, either it is signatures or maybe it is, uh, you know, uh, encryptions or something to kind of validate that or give some kind of authority to that particular data that they're moving on chain, right? And -hmm. then they make that data available and they make it available either through a smart contract, you call a retrieve function or they make it available directly on the blockchain ledger uh, as data that you can... uh, uh, directly access like uh, using a particular transaction ID or a hash ID you can just directly get it mm-hmm. right based on the na- uh, nature of the data being collected well I kind of consider it to be based on the nature other people might think about it differently but uh, I kind of uh, oracles kind of tend to follow fall within this you know continuum uh, between decentralized or consensus-based and centralized, which are authorities, right? Let's start with centralized, they're simpler. So centralized oracles, basically, what they do is they say, okay, fine, um, here's a smart contract uh, or a a particular mechanism. Uh, You can query us with with this, in in this particular format. And uh, we will, you can either provide us with a callback function that you want us to call, uh, send the data to, or we will give you a you know transaction ID or some sort of indication where this particular answer that you are looking for is right. And what they do is that you know these centralized thing in order to uh, help uh, make sure that their clients trust the data that is being provided to them, they leverage various. Uh, mechanisms, right? A combination, usually it's either a combination of encrypted channels and digital certificates or some kind of trusted execution environment uh, that they use to kind of make sure that the provenance of the data is 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 uh, uh, is trusted, right? So there is a trusted uh, kind of proof that, okay, the data has not been tampered with in transit and that uh, the data that is coming from 
uh, is coming from where they say that it's coming from right so right. let's take uh, some of them uh, uh, so ethereum if you look at it provides something called the tls notary proof function this actually what it does is it allows a client to provide evidence to a third party so the client basically being in this particular case the oracle that it provides evidence to a third party which might be an auditor or it might be the customer that https web traffic occurred between the client and the server so it basically shows that okay fine i connected via a trusted secure https channel to this particular source of data which is the server and that this particular communication happened and then as a consequence of this communication this particular data was provided right mm-hmm. so that's one way of doing it another way basically is to say okay i'm going to use a trusted uh, environment this is kind of more of a hardware approach there is an example called a town crier what this does is it uses intel's specific uh, cpu hardware so it uh, the intel has a software guard extension chip right so sgx chip that uh, basically creates a what is known as a secure enclave right a secure enclave is a, simply a secure area mm-hmm. and that secure enclave basically is where the execution of that particular code happens so what what sgx guarantees is that okay this particular process that is running in that chip is not accessible by any other process on running on that machine it is not readable by any other process running on that machine and the output therefore is not going to be tampered with during the execution of that process in addition what it also does is it provides a digital signature hash based digital signature of the software that is running inside that particular enclave so i can tell it can say that okay in this town cry example it will say okay here's the hash of the code of the town cry software that i am running in my machine and here's the output of that right and here's the proof that it has not been tampered with so these three things are provided back by intel uh, the sgx chip and the sgx chip, that that basically allows uh, external party to then verify that yeah okay this hash matches with my version of the town cry chip software hash so therefore i know it's not been tampered with and then uh, the sgx basically is providing guarantees around uh, it's not been transferred tampered with during execution therefore i can trust this particular result okay so this is generally the main area ways in which centralized oracles kind of provide their trust they they, they build their trust right decentralized oracles basically in contrast offer a different model right what they do is they basically saying that okay you don't have to trust us we are going to get the data from as many different places as possible right mm-hmm. we are going to have multiple sources of the data and we are going to have this aggregation function and this reputation function so chainlink is one of the big ones in this particular area uh, chainlink is a network it has actually got uh, a reputation contract an order matching contract and an aggregation contract right and in addition it maintains an off chain registry of data providers right the reputation contract basically measures the uh, performance of each data provider and it is that score is used to populate this off chain registry right the order matching contract is where the you know the customer goes to to get that particular data so they go to the order matching and say that okay create an order saying that i have this query this is what i need 
this is uh, and then the order matching contract creates a uh, SLA you know this is what is the query parameter these are the number of oracles that you want to use uh, basically this is the uh, way in which it needs to be returned now right finally there is an aggregation contract the aggregation contract collects the responses from the oracles right so from that list of oracles all of them they basically get the query they come back with the answer within that SLA and the aggregation contract basically aggregates the responses and returns the collective result right and this finally feeds uh, and 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 the aggregation contract also feeds the reputation score it updates the reputation score on the reputation contract which in turn basically helps uh, helps the reputation contract decide which is the set of data providers that are performing well right now so if you think about this this is a good way there is no a single point of failure if somebody decides to be a malicious thing they are basically getting a game theoretic you know disincentive or a punishment that reputation score goes down blah 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 right mm -hmm. but the problem with this or rather the the challenge of this is essentially the aggregation function in what manner do we actually aggregate this particular data is often very dependent on what kind of data and what is the expectation of the result right so uh, usually basically chainlink i think recommends mainly a weighted score or a weighted uh, this thing based on their reputation score but uh, you know sometimes that might not be exactly right or they may not you may want greater accuracy or uh, this thing so that aggregation function is key and in my opinion sometimes in certain cases it may not work right so if you want boolean uh, answers and all that may not be totally there another final thing uh, i'd like to add to this is how thinking of uh, other blockchains right as oracle so how do you actually connect one blockchain to another blockchain right it's through basically bridging functions or bridging blockchains like polkadot and cosmos and things like that ultimately these technologies themselves could become uh, you know oracles in themselves in as much as that you would have a separate blockchain that has uh, specific information about some other aspect of the world so for example maybe ethereum there is a smart contract that wants to know about what is the value of uh, or what is the relative value of other cryptocurrencies right so they may go and go to bankor blockchain right right look at and see use their uh, you know uh, mark basket uh, uh, of assets and their values relative values as an input right in in this particular case one thing is that since bankor itself is a decentralized blockchain there is larger trust because you're not again there's no single central party that actually determines this value uh, and uh, in uh, in addition that uh, that since bankor has actually got a different view of the world it is able to provide extra information to the ethereum blockchain right right you could in fact do this within uh, uh, ethereum itself assuming ethereum becomes big enough if you have it you could have integrations with ipfs you could have you know bank or you could have uh, eos you could have multiple smart contracts running in multiple places all feeding off each other and that would be right. the ideal case right that would be the matrix so to speak that's the way i see that happening where you know you reach the place where everything is actually running on blockchains or some version of a blockchain is just different views or different layers and you get uh, 
use these bridges to get information from all of that. You know, the real-world institutions would eventually need to be on some sort of a blockchain so that these various blockchains can communicate with each other. And then uh, all the data basically coming from these various blockchains into the Oracle, it could be trusted. Is, this, is that the future vision? Is that the end goal of this? Yeah, so actually, I, I would take it a little uh, one step further, right? I, I would say ultimately that would that would be the uh, the way I would like to see the world. Uh, and in, in that particular case, you don't strictly have an Oracle anymore, right? You simply have multiple blockchains that are uh, doing atomic swaps or some kind of transaction swaps because, and you don't really need an Oracle so much so because you are now actually accessing data from another blockchain, which in itself is decentralized and therefore trusted, right? So there's, there's this, there's less chance of, uh, what do you call it? Uh, somebody trying to be, uh, malicious because the consensus mechanisms in those in, in, in blockchains itself would kind of stop that or prevent that. Of course, there is always that particular chance where, you know, maybe you as a your version flavor of blockchain or your flavor of consensus mechanism does not trust the consensus mechanism of another blockchain, in which case you might want or request additional, uh, you know, guarantees or additional uh, Things like you know trusted environments or something like that. In which case, then again, you would need a block oracle. But you know the utopia would be that you know you don't really need an oracle. Everything is on a blockchain uh, or a set of blockchains that can interoperate really well, and uh, you know it 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 all becomes like function calls to each other. All right, folks, that concludes our podcast. We hope that you found this episode on oracles useful. Please leave us your feedback. Thanks again for joining. See you next time.